Today on the Show Means 2 podcast, Dr. Susan Pendergrass is joined by Dr. Howard Wall. Dr. Wall directs the Hammond Institute for Free Enterprise and is a senior research fellow in the Center for Economics and the Environment. He is also a professor of economics in the Plaster School of Business and Entrepreneurship at Lindenwood University. They discuss the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the St. Louis region and what a possible recovery looks like. For more Show Me Institute podcast, visit SoundCloud at soundcloud slash showmeinstitute and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Here's Dr. Susan Pendergrass and Dr. Howard Wall. I think you could help us or help me maybe get a better handle on what little we could be seeing as St. Louis begins to emerge from this almost complete economic shutdown. Uh, how do you see it? What do you think is the pulse at the moment? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I think it is, but I'll put big error bands around it because sure. there's a lot of uncertainty about what's actually happening, as you know, from even like national unemployment data. It's very tricky to even measure what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do know that, you know, a huge percentage of the economy was basically shut down. And it's an interesting question. And I, I think that they're settling on is 50-50 in terms of how much of the shutdown was due to like the government action and how much was due to people um, taking advice and just not going out as much anyway. And because they were told, stay out of crowds, don't go to restaurants. Uh, so people would just kind of retract or pull back on what they're doing to begin with. But then there were the government shut down to, you know, force businesses to, to not open. So I, I think what they're coming up with is it's split, maybe 50-50 is, so 50% would have happened even without the government action. Okay, so now the government has allowed many, if not most businesses to reopen. Right. with restrictions. And then when, when I think about that other 50%, my husband and I went out to a restaurant last night. I've now been to two restaurants. And uh, I don't know. I didn't really like it. It was okay, but it wasn't the experience I remember. And we live in a very walkable neighborhood known as the Del Mar Loop for people who don't live in St. Louis. And we admittedly well, we used to go out to dinner too much. Right. Three, four right. nights a week would not be uncommon. So now three months of not doing that um, have made me eh, not that, I thought I would be more excited. And then I go out and I realize I'm now paying, we did do uh, curbside and carry out. Now I'm paying twice as much for basically the same food for this kind of weird experience where they're wearing masks and there's nothing on the table. And I feel like I'm in some weird social science experiment. And I don't want to pay double for the same food and be in that weird thing. So now I'm thinking the recovery is going to be slower because of people well, like I me. I think you've, you've hit on exactly, well, I've noticed the same thing. And you've hit on exactly the, the quandary, which is you open up and you want to go out, but then you go out and it's not what it was before. Yeah. And it, it is, it's kind of creepy. And I'm in St. Charles, so we're a, a bit ahead on this. So things have been open longer. And I've been trying to figure out how you know so i've been to restaurants and there have not been because so they have the quarter percent or quarter restriction but that's not even being fulfilled so my daughter's restaurant that she works at as a waitress they actually shut down the dining room because they weren't getting enough business mm -hmm. uh, and this was in in st louis so uh, i'm trying to figure out whether it's people have changed their habits they realize like you said well you know we were spending all this money and we couldn't have or that it's just not as fun when they do go out. It's not the same experience. And then also how much of it is people are still 
pulling back because they're afraid or they're, yeah. they're being cautious. And I, I feel some of that for sure too. And, and, uh, and also the, you know, the wait staff's all wearing masks. So the, it's not as friendly feeling, you right. know what I mean? It, it is different. And so now it was just last night and that's been making me think today. And that's why I was really looking forward to speaking with you because now it's not like they're going to reopen St. Louis economy and all of a sudden we're going to be back to where we were within, I don't know, how long do you think it's going to take before we're back full scale? Oh, uh, I'm now suspecting it'll, it'll be a long time, maybe six to nine months to just kind of yeah. getting to things are normal looking and possibly still weak, still a, a recession. Mm-hmm. And that kind of depends. Back to kind of a normal recovering. Uh, so the, we'll have this weird recovery even for quite some time is what I'm, I'm now thinking. And that, I, in my opinion, you know, I study education policy. That's got to be like very closely tied to whether or not schools can open. And I think right. a month ago, people were like, we'll just reopen school in August. Now it's mid-June and a lot of school districts are like, I don't know if we can reopen. If you can't reopen schools, then people can't have their kids in school so they can go back to work. And there's kind of a trickling effect from that as well, don't you think? Right. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, and it, it, I, I think it's also policymakers are trying to keep up with whatever the best advice is and it keeps the best advice keeps changing. And if you. We had some of, big swings today, I think. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, today it was like there are <laughs> asymptomatic carriers are not a problem. Walk it back. They might be. We don't know. So two days ago, there were absolutely nothing. And then they were, well, they're not quite nothing. We're sorry we said nothing, uh, but could be something. Uh, yeah. And who knows? And the, I think the, the best studies with uh, terms of schooling is that it's okay to send the kids to school. School is not the, not the problem. Uh, I mean, because Sweden, I mean, fortunately for the rest of us, has been a kind of an experiment. They never shut their schools. And I don't think this, whatever problems they had was not because the schools were open. Uh, because, I think that's right. But to, to your sentiment on the other 50%, that's an interesting number because uh, multiple polls have asked parents what they're going to do in the fall. And generally somewhere between 40 and 60% say they're going to keep their kids home. And Columbia Public Schools, as of right. yesterday, decided that they, because of that, they did a survey. They're going to offer both online and in person. And they expect half and half. Half of their parents have said they're not going to send their child back. Right. And I, th- I think it's that people don't know that the uh, the schools aren't a problem. Their kids really aren't at risk. Right. Uh, there have been, well, in the different studies, very, very few cases of transmission from kids to adults. And in Missouri, there have been exactly zero deaths of anyone under 20 years old. Right. And a one death, the last I looked, under uh, 35, I think it was. So right. the kids are not a problem. And they're not really going to be transmitting it to uh, back home or uh, to you know, anybody else. But you have so to convince. You have to convince the parents. parents. Yeah. And, and the parents are terrified. It's their kids. You want like a zero risk. And I think, you know, frankly, we've gotten into an attitude that uh, everything has to be zero risk. Right. You know, the proper time to open up is when there's nothing. Right. happening you know when there's are no cases it was it went from flatten the curve to find the cure right exactly and it only has to do with this because mm-hmm. we would still not do that with any other thing we're not Never. shutting down cars we're not putting right. speed limits at 10 miles an hour uh right. it's with with this and Why we do won't do it with the well, flu yeah uh so i i think the uh 
the, I mean, the message originally, you know, when it was to flatten the curve, everyone's pummeled with how important it is to do things. And I think they were on purpose, was scared. They were, the policy mm -hmm. was to scare people, to get them to do what they were supposed to do. And it worked. <laughs> and, but now you can't unscare them. And, and to your point about um, the, the risk factor, many counties in Missouri have had no cases. And yet exactly. they have uh, massive unemployment, you know, in, in communities that there aren't a lot of jobs available to start with. And then you lay off, you close the restaurants in these towns, and then right. it's like a devastating economic impact when there really was almost no risk. Right. And it's here, it's directly uh, government policy that is just ridiculous in my view. So it was, uh, so it was, it was okay. You know, it was sensible when the state of Missouri started to, you know, phase reopening that the city and county of St. Louis decided not to, mm -hmm. and Kansas City decided not to. Whether that was good or not, it was not unreasonable to say, okay, we're going to go more slowly because that was where all the action had been. Uh, but there's absolutely no reason to, uh, you know, for the rest of the county or the state outside of even St. Charles, you know, all the, all the rural areas to, to do the same thing. But the, the, the governor has now announced that they're no longer going to have any faith. They're now going to tie the rest of the state to what uh, the large cities do. So what St. Louis is doing is now what the state is going to do because the governor just didn't want there to be differences. You know, it's just some, I don't know. But I think half disease. the Missouri cases are in St. Louis. So clearly it's completely. Oh, it's, it's more than half. There's yeah. 400 cases in my zip code. I live in the city of St. Louis. Right. And I know I'm in a place with a lot of COVID for sure. But if you live out in a rural Missouri and you have no cases, and that's the same thing, not to bring a background to this, but the same thing with schools. Um, it's going to be a statewide decision. Right. And so uh, it's I just, you know, that has a massive economic impact because that is, what you can you can debate the terminology but that is where we keep our children during the hours we work <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean for so many people that is uh, that's uh, imperative that they have a place to know that their children are are safe even if learning you know, a lot of people, people are like well learning like turns out only occurs for a few hours i'm like yes but your children are safe and socializing for a longer period of time and that lets everybody else work well, and, and society is organized around schools existing and being open. That's <laughs> I mean, right. This is how we've organized how families work. And it generally has been working. Yeah, and it seems right? fine. <laughs> if it wasn't working, we would have stopped doing that a while ago. What yeah. about um, higher ed? I know you're, you're at Lindenwood University, and I feel like they've, they're in a bind. Because they so, have a very expensive product that kind of depends on this in-person experience. Right. So I think even, well, state schools also, it's, just, it's the same, similar situation that uh, financially, they have to get the kids to show up. So the kids yeah. have to be there. And uh, you just can't do online, right? No. And this, a state school, and I mean, Missouri doesn't give a huge percentage of the budgets from the state to, say, Mizzou, but some of the other schools, it's, it's more. And they have, that's a bit of a, a buffer. But uh, private universities uh, don't have that, and they really need the kids to to show up. And it's a balance in how you uh, you you take care of the risk. So I think what we're we're doing is we're trying to grapple with having uh, you know more spacing between the uh, the, the the desks mm -hmm. in the classroom. So we might have more sections of the classrooms. We go mm -hmm. to hybrid models so that we can make it so that it's you know, we're social distancing, 
but still have it so that people are are there. And that is the experience that they're paying for is being in school. And you know, sure. Frank, on this also, I'm of the mind that it's, you know, the, the 20 year olds are not the problem. Mm-hmm. It's the 65 to 75 year old faculty that we have quite a few of. But uh, also they're the ones a, who are at risk. If a school like Mizzou doesn't open the Tiger Grotto, the f- super fancy rec center with the lazy river, right. then a lot of, you know, I, I feel like my opinion that my, I have three kids and went through college. I went on countless college visits and um, colleges are just, many of them are gorgeous these days. I live right by WashU. It is the best landscaping in the city yeah. is at Washington University. Yeah. And if you're investing that much in just perfect grass, then when your in-person experience is gone, I, I, you got to rethink your, your budgets. Oh, absolutely. And I think what it will be is there's going to be be a lot of students who say, well, I'm just not going to go for a semester. Yeah. So you might look at community colleges to, uh, to seeing a boost of of students because kids are just staying home for at least a semester to see how it shakes out instead of paying, you know, the the tuition for private school tuition or even a public school tuition, you just go to the community college and stay at home and just just ride it out until you have a better idea because it's not really worth the, uh, worth the money. So, so I, I think that uh, schools are probably going to see, you know, at least five to 10% reduction in the number of, of, mm-hmm. of students who show up in person. Another important, I don't know, important one, another economic driver of the St. Louis economy, people who are listening to this can't see that you have this super cool Zoom background, yes. which suggests you're sitting in like the press box at a St. Louis Cardinals game. And never the stands, had seats this good, yeah. This is... And the stands are <laughs> packed with people. And when I look at that, I think to myself, never again am I going to be in that situation or not for a very long time. It'll be a while. Right. But, you know, uh, Cardinals baseball is a summer staple here. And it generates all kinds of other um, income for the city. So... What do you think the impact will be from losing all of our sports? Right. And it, you know, so the, the best case scenario for baseball is that it occurs <laughs> and that there's no one in the stadium for the, most of the season, or if not the entire season. And if there are people in the stadium, then there's, you know, a quarter of the capacity perhaps. And uh, the, the Cardinals in particular rely on attendance, the massive mm-hmm. attendance relative to the, the population. So the you know the downtown economy is really going to be affected by this because they count on you know eighty times a year forty thousand people going downtown, and that yep. won't be happening. I saw that hotels in St. Louis are laying off another thousand workers as of yesterday, right. and so and that's not, a lot of people travel to St. Louis for those games. Right, this and is a destination for the Midwest to go see baseball games. And we've invested as a city in giving the owners of the Cardinals and the Blues tax breaks and you know other. Um, people who own these venues, we've invested in this. And so taxpayers take a hit too. Yep. Yeah, so. no, and, and that's going to come down the pike. People haven't talked enough about how the uh, state and local budgets are going to be taking a huge hit out of this. Huge. Uh, and what they're going to end up uh, having to do to, to make up for it because they have balanced budget requirements that the federal government What do you think have. they will have to do? What do you do with the state budget? If you have balanced budget requirement, you have unemployment claims, Medicaid going up, um, revenue way down. What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? I don't, hopefully, <laughs> so, hopefully somebody is figuring that out right now. And local budgets that rely on sales tax. 
you know, we have created these systems where we give a lot of it away um, to developers. Well, and the schools rely on, Missouri yeah. schools rely on casino revenue. I was just listening to the State Board of Education meeting and they were talking about the problem when the casino shut down. That is how they yeah. put money into their trust fund to fund the foundation formula. That's a bargain we made. Whether it was smart, I don't know. Yeah, and we even during the regular, the regular business cycle, being tied to casino revenues is not a good idea. Right. Uh, because that's much more sensitive to things than regular and tax sales revenue. tax too. I mean, that's a very sensitive form of yeah. revenue. That when people stop spending and go, going to restaurants and going to stores, um, you know, maybe we're talking a little bit at the Showman Institute about what municipalities could be doing differently going forward to make themselves a little bit better re recession proof. But you know, we're it's going to be painful. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it will be uh, more layoffs. I don't think we've really seen government layoffs and furloughs, things like that. But you think That's certainly going to be coming down down the pike. Certainly not, um, not rehiring or filling empty positions. Right, um, and I think I think what we'll, we'll see. I mean, we learned a lot from the Great Recession, and a lot of the reasons that the Great Recession lasted so long, uh, and the recovery was kind of slow, was government rehiring, um, uh, state and local governments, because the revenue hits that the governments took during the recession, they didn't weren't able to recover from that for a long time. And that was one of the reasons why it took so long for uh, hiring to, to pick up, even if the private sector was doing it. So and that's that's kind of an echo to the 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 private downturn is kind of a government recession that uh, lags the uh, the private recession. And in the Great Recession, unemployment hit like nine percent. Uh, I believe ten, ten point nine. I think ten point nine, and we're already above that. Oh, much above it. But I I think the traditional measures are are practically meaningless. Why? Uh, because, well, first of all, we, we know why a lot of the people are not working. Uh, it wasn't like just the, um, you know, the economy went into this. We turned it on and turned it off or turned mm -hmm. it off and then we're turning it on again. So the key is just by turning it on, how much will immediately go back? So some of the measure is, is just kind of artificial because there are people who are not working, but they still have a job that's waiting for them. They're furloughed. They're furloughed or mm -hmm. either formally furloughed, informally furloughed. And this is very difficult to figure out what's actually happening with people because you ask them and they say their situation. And uh, we have all new situations that our majority of people who aren't working are in these new situations. And you see, this is why the uh, BLS had misallocated uh, like some some survey answers and had the unemployment rate measured wrong for a, you a think it couple was wrong. of months. It oh, was yeah. well, it was incorrect because they were misclassifying people's answers because there were new questions on the survey to find out whether people are unemployed or not. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just you say I'm unemployed or I'm working. You they ask you, okay, why or what are you doing? All of this to try to put you into the category, and then so they had all new questions and the people asking the, the surveyors were told, okay, if they say this, put it into this category, category X, but they were putting it in category Y uh, a huge amount of the time because it was, it seemed to make more sense. So it was an error that happened like two months in a row. So they overestimated for two months? They underestimated unemployment the way they wanted to, because you're actually having to redefine unemployment. It's not yep. even underestimated. You can't even compare mm -hmm unemployment rate now to what it was six months ago, because these are apples and oranges. 
Because they do ask, are you working or looking for work, right? So a lot of people would be like, I'm not looking for work. My boss said my job will be there June 1st. Right. So is that, that's very different than I'm not looking for work, for work because I gave up. Right. But the answer, you can give the same answer. That's why you have to have these extra questions to figure out what's going on. So, so when will we get good data, do you think? Have they fixed it? Uh, they've fixed it. So going for, and I think we now know what, what the, the right measures were. So unemployment went down by the proper measures and they actually went down, I think more with the new measures than before, but they were higher levels or something like this. Uh, but I think it points to how difficult it is to even know what's going on. Yeah, and I keep saying I kind of want to wait stuff out. As a researcher, I'm not supposed to, but I feel like there's so much dust to settle. And reading what's happening on Twitter one day, no matter what I say, I'm going to be wrong in five days. So there's just so much dust to settle. And people say, what's happening in education? I'm like, I don't know. What is it? No, it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I have... You've got to not years say very of much. work of economic research from this, right? Uh, years I've, of work. Yeah, I've been doing exactly this for decades, and I'm just kind of flummoxed, you know. And I don't want to. And I can say, well, the number is this, but I, the number isn't even the right number. It's You've been studying number. the health of cities. Yeah, and say, look, and that's you know, you know the data very much into the data what it means, and it's well, you can't just say. Uh, you know, the unemployment rate is this much higher than it was in the Great Recession or the biggest job loss or gain ever. It's, well, we made this on purpose, right? We, because we even use the unemployment insurance system as a way to shovel money out to people. That's so a big all part of it, art- right? Was people getting too. an extra $600 a week and reluctant to go back to their job and staying in the unemployment rules. Right. And this will be another problem is that that was meant to be money that you shovel out and they needed to do it fast, so they weren't going to get too fussy about the amount or whether what the incentives were, because it was supposed to be temporary. We're just going to do this for a month or two, turn it off. But I think they're not going to turn it off. This happens every downturn, is they change the rules and mm-hmm. lengthen the, the amount of time people get unemployment, and that also lengthens the recession. What about, uh, if you have an opinion, the the how this raises like the to expand Medicaid in Missouri. Oh, yes. So this now is a health it's... pandemic. Medicaid is a health insurance program, sort of. Not necessarily a health provision program, but health insurance. So this just adds pressure to say we should be giving it to more people. Yeah. And it's the odd thing is that it's, it, it, you know, in terms of the health, it really, it hasn't even been a health pandemic, you know, because right. it's, you know, it's a very small number of people have been affected. Uh, right. And in fact, the health sector has been crushed by all this is going on. Crushed and because of non-stopping elective it, surgeries and all that. Yeah. And if you had, uh, you know, you were affected by the coronavirus, you were covered, right? By you the went federal government. You were, ta- you were taken care of. So this was not a, a health provision crisis. Well, it was a crisis that was solved by the federal government just pay, saying they'd pay. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, there's going to be an awful lot of misinformation and scare tactics used to get all sorts of things. But, you know, in terms of the, the state budget, I can't think of a worse thing to do than to expand uh, Medicaid. Yeah, I think there's a, lot, a lack of understanding. We're going to be doing a podcast on just that topic coming up soon with somebody from the healthcare sector, um, just so I can understand it better. But it's one of those things that it just feels like it must be good and right to do. It just seems intuitive. 
it's like universal preschool. And when I tell people there's no academic impact from universal preschool, they just don't believe me because it seems like it must be true. I mean, it's kids. You're helping kids. Super expensive, no proven uh, impact. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I think we should do it anyway. You know what I mean? They're kids. Well, and this, the logic is this is how we have the expansion of all sorts of welfare programs is because the next group to be drawn into it are the next disadvantage. And it's, oh, they're, they're, they're children. Well, it's their children of kind of upper, lower middle class families, but oh, they're poorer than average. So it's, you grow that up. Now it's only these people, you know, it's, so you just keep creeping uh, uh, beneficiaries into the, into the system. We've definitely seen a growth in government growth in the public sector. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure if you know, there's a presidential election coming up what? this year too, I think. Huh. And that might have <laughs> some impact <laughs> on the stories being told. It's, yeah, I think I read, is it 148 days from now? Right now that feels like forever. Cause when I think back to March 5th, that feels like this, uh, my family and I were traveling to Colorado when we were there. We're like, Oh wow. Colorado has its first COVID case. Huh? Then we got on the airplane, we flew home on the airplane. You know, we didn't think about it a whole lot. And then a week later, the world's upside down. So, yeah. you know, 150 days from now, I don't make predictions anymore. Well, so here's something I terrible. call economists to make predictions for me. Here's <laughs> the absolute terrible thing I saw on Twitter today is that if with the move to mail-in voting, mm -hmm. it means we're not gonna have election nights. Okay. We're gonna have election weeks. Oh, because boy. it takes weeks to count the votes. So we won't know who won for a week or two, not because of the, the counting chads, but because they're counting the mail-in votes. I think it sounds like a great time to do a retreat in the desert. Oh, man. I don't know, maybe a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's rough. It is rough. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said at the beginning of this, I changed my mind about St. Louis this morning when I was like, if I'm not, if I'm not willing to pay the money and that's my main thing, you know what I mean? Having gotten curbside and you're like, wow, this is half the price. If you don't go there, if I'm not willing to pay double the price to go to be there, then I feel like it's going to be a while. Well, so, but what is it that you're missing? Are you, what if they didn't have masks? What if it was a foolish restaurant? It was noisy. It was fun. You know, they had the regular thing going on. Would you, or have your preferences changed or just kind of your views? Well, that's what I'm asking. Like it's been three months. So maybe my preferences has, have changed. And if that's the case then restaurants, I just think more restaurants are going to go out of business. Because my preferences is not as soon as they opened up and said, I was out, I was like yeah. trying, and I've been desperately trying to find places where I can just go and sit amongst people and have them. But I'm, I'm living with my 18 and 20 year old daughters. So, so you're like, what's open? Different, different Please incentives. give me the list. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's just the two of us and our dogs. And I'm like, well, I've kind of gotten, gotten used to this. So I don't know. Everyone has, but my uh, stepdaughter and her husband have, were out immediately as soon as they could be. And we're definitely at cabin fever. So everyone's got their own level of risk tolerance, but it just makes me think that A, it's going to be longer and B, we're going to see more businesses fail. It yeah, no, I, th I think there, it bad. will be something that makes it longer as people will just not, they'll be out of the habit mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they, they've learned that you can still get restaurant food at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, all these restaurants have set up websites. And you, I mean, it, it's been amazing. The, you know, mom and pop restaurants now have apps that you sure. can use. And it's very easy. Uh, 
so you know maybe there are these changes that will happen and it won't be the same when we get back and that's and, you know mm -hmm. they won't need as many people and a lot of businesses have learned that you can work remotely and you can do zoom meetings and things like that so it, it like i i feel like i need a five to ten year window to be able to look back at this and see what happened yeah i don't feel like in june of 2020 i have a clue but it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds i mean you've done a lot of research on st louis that showed it was already struggling would you use the word struggling losing uh, people losing be jobs below, below middling below middling uh <laughs> i don't think this is going to help <laughs> i no. don't think this is going to be helpful for the st louis region so we just have to keep doing your work and finding well so great it's it's, it's curious because we've we've been this missouri has one of the least affected states for the whole virus in terms of cases and deaths uh i think i, I do the number update my numbers every day and I think we're there are only 12 states that had fewer cases per capita wow. than, than Missouri, although in deaths were a bit above uh, above that rate. Mm -hmm. But we're still it's like the housing crisis. We didn't really have the housing bubble, but we're going to suffer from the, cra right? the crash of the housing bubble everywhere else. And it's that it's New York again. It's those New Yorkers still. <laughs> so let's just blame them for everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I love New York. Um, yeah, that's right. So we 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 yeah. We, the, the economic pain is being spread everywhere. It is not uh, contagious. It's everywhere. So. But you're, you're, I, you mentioned like the you know the counties where nothing's been affected. It still should be, or the, there haven't been any cases. There still should be a lot more flexible and a mm -hmm. lot more nimble policy making that goes into this. Yeah. And that's I think where it's not. So I was on a or saw a podcast with John Cochran of the Hoover Institute. Mm -hmm. This was very early on on how we should reopen when we do. And what he said was, you know, if, if we have leaders who are wise and making optimal decisions, this won't be so bad. And then he just oh, started laughing and said, <laughs> yeah, that's so in other, words, if. <laughs> in, in other words, we're in deep trouble. <laughs> well, then in a year from now, we come back and do a podcast with me again and tell me what happened. <laughs> if we're both. <laughs> yes, that would be great. Well, thanks for talking to me. I, I always love it. And, um, you know, get out there. I don't have to yeah. tell you. You're out. Enjoy. <laughs> I will get out there. Thanks a lot. Great talking <laughs> Thanks, to you Sarah. again. Same. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Institute podcast. Find more at showmeinstitute.org.